sisters, it is great to just be able to bring God's Word to you this morning. Uh, next week will be our last week here, and it's going to be a mournful week. I love you all. And um, I pray and hope that this sermon can be something that the Lord uses to, that is lasting uh, for each and every one of you and uses me and my weakness for His glory and the good and building up of His church. I get the privilege of choosing my own sermon text this morning, so I, I ended up choosing probably one of the greatest passages in Scripture. I know it's easy to say that about a lot of the different passages in Scripture, but it's Ephesians chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 10, and we'll, we'll focus really in this morning on verses 8 through 10. But let's hear the reading of God's most powerful and glorious word this morning. And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." And raise us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let us pray for God's blessing. Heavenly Father, You are good, You are glorious, You are worthy of all of our praise, worship, honor, power, blessing. We ask for you to come and use me, your servant, to speak your words of life into our souls, that you would penetrate to the deepest of our hearts, that we would see that you are worthy, worthy to be praised, worthy to be followed, that you would create faith within our hearts and our souls, and that we would live for you from this day forth, now and forevermore, to the praise of your glorious grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Imagine a European cathedral. I don't know if you've been to Europe, but I think all of you can picture, whether it's from a movie or from a Google search, imagine a European cathedral that as you look from the outside, it towers to the sky. You can see the distinctive features of each tower and the front face that took stonemasons years upon years, sometimes hundreds of years to build. The inside you step in and it brings you in awe as you see the beautiful colors 
of the stained glass. The eye-popping colors of red, blue, purple, of the paintings throughout. The height inside almost hurts your neck as you peer up and see the intricate roof designed to remind you how small you are and how great and glorious God is. You sit there paused, just reminded of what true workmanship created after God's image can build. Then you get transported all the way over here to our side of the U.S., and you're at the Grand Tetons, the Grand Canyon, the Zion National Park, and you see at the Grand Tetons these towering mountains with lakes hugging those mountains. You see the glistening, pure water. You smell the fresh air. You step in and feel the cold snow melt on your feet, the sand and bottom of the floor on your toes, and you look straight up, like in that cathedral, and you see that green, the white snow on the top, the almost shining diamond of the beauty of these majestic mountains, shining bright for the glory of God, Existing in calm, in grandeur, in glory. Brothers and sisters, my goal today is to take these images and see that this true workmanship of man and God is but a fraction of the glory and beauty of each and every one of us who are made alive, regenerated, in union with Christ, and as we read God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The goal of this sermon is to enliven our hearts to believe, to believe our position in Christ, to believe that you are unique and beautiful and God's workmanship crafted for purpose, to believe that you in freedom and joy can walk day after day in good works, for this is what we are created to do. We will look at first, God's glorious grace. Second, God's most beautiful workmanship. And third, our glorious good works. So first, God's glorious grace. Paul says in verse 8, as we read, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Christian, who are you? What is your position before God? We're saved by grace through faith. But how? Was it you? You choosing God, you choosing life? No, no, here Paul is saying that it is not your own doing, but it is a gift of God. Paul says earlier in this passage that we are dead. Dead meaning unable to move, unable to do, just there dead in trespasses and sins in which we all once walked. Following the course of this world, a dead man can't choose God. A dead man can only be dead, stuck in the ground, unable to move, and without life. And this is the state of all of us 
apart from Christ. This is what God is reminding us in His Word today. We were dead. And this is the first piece of the Gospel. Because of Adam's sin in the garden, we are now spiritually dead. When we are born, and apart from God's grace, we will continue in this state until we physically die. It says in this Word that we seek after the things of the world, We have the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. We want to go our own way. We turn aside from God. If left to our thoughts and self, we'd only drop further and further into depression, anger, insanity, pain, lashing out. And the Word of God says even murder murder and death. You might object and say, but but I don't think or, or feel these things. But we must realize that the only reason we don't see people given over to these things more is because God, by His common grace, withholds our evil in our hearts. You see, you don't have to teach your children to be sinful or selfish or want their own way. It's it's there from the beginning. We know that as parents. So the question is, is what is the hope for us? What does God say to us this morning? He says it in verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved. And once again, by grace, each of you have been saved. God made us alive. Paul here is speaking of our regeneration. Us being born again, made alive from dead men, from a dead woman, to alive. Walking, breathing, and alive spiritually. Able and wanting to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as you are made alive, you see that God is the Creator. God is worthy of all of your praise, all honor, all glory, all power, all blessing. You say, I choose Him. I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I see that apart from Christ, I can do no good thing. And I am dead, and I am a sinner, and I am broken, and I have been selfish, and I need you. Oh, I need you every hour. I need you. You respond and you say, I believe in Christ. I hold fast to His life, His death, His resurrection. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. And you start to believe that. That's the only way to be in God's presence. You say, it is not My works but Christ alone who saves me. My Lord Jesus lived the perfect life for me. He loved God perfectly for me. His neighbor, He loved perfectly for me. And His mission, His purpose was to save us, His people, from our sins. And what did He do? He followed that mission all the way to His death. And it wasn't the pain and suffering on the cross that saved us. It was more. 
It was the wrath and almighty power of God that was poured out for our sins upon Him on that tree. The curse that we deserve, He bore. And He took and He drank every last drop of poison for our sin. And He did not stop there, but He defeated death, the death that we deserve. And He poured out for the forgiveness of our sins and rose to glorious life as the King of kings and Lord of lords. The King of all creation. This is our Lord Jesus, beloved. This is what we trust in. This is our hope. This is our salvation. Freely given to you. Freely given to me. The broken, the weak, the needy, the sinful, the dead. Made alive not of our own doing, but the gift of God so that no one may boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you trust in Christ this morning? Truly trust in Christ. Youth, children, those in the back, those in the front, Do you trust and cling to Christ? Is this your hope? Or do these words just fall on your ears and mean very little? Does your heart sing when you hear this glorious gospel or are you dull to it? This is about eternal life and eternal death. Where do you stand? Do you know where you stand? Beloved, today is the day of salvation. The day to repent, which means to turn from yourself, from looking inward, and look to Jesus. Cry out for repentance, faith, for God to take you from dull deadness to then be made alive. Renewed, recreated after the image of our Lord Jesus Christ and desiring to seek after Him. If not, if you harden your heart, if you push this off today, then there is great fear for you. Your parents can't save you, children. Your church can't save you. Your good works trying to be good and moral and upright, they can't save you. There is a gap between you and God and only the Lord Jesus Christ who was fully man and fully God can bring that gap together. He can only bring separated man back to God so that we may live for Him and worship Him. To love Him and see that in His presence is fullness of joy and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Are you regenerated? Are you alive? Do you seek after God? Today is the day of salvation. The day to say with me, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to Thee for rest. Helpless, look to Thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die.
Once again, let me repeat that. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for rest. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. If this is you and your heart song, know that by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. And this is our position. Our life. Saved. Made alive. And raised with Christ in the heavenly places. As Paul says in this passage. Our glory to come in the new heavens and new earth is in a sense here and now. For Paul says we are spiritually united to Christ in the heavenly places. Are you willing to see this morning? Are you willing to believe? It doesn't matter your current mental state, your current weakness, your current pain and sufferings, for they will soon pass away. The Lord says our life is but a vapor. And all of this pain, all of this suffering is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. An eternal inheritance that Peter says is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for who? For you. For you. And now, though our outer body, as we get older, we know it's wasting away, our inner body is being renewed daily. You've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And the life you now live, in the flesh you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself up for you. Repeat this in your mind. All of you, repeat this in your mind. For me, Christ died. For me, He suffered. For me, He went to the cross. For me, He paid the penalty for my sins. For me, for me, for me. Why, Lord? Why, when I still feel so sinful? Why, Lord, when I feel weak? Why, Lord, when I don't feel beautiful? Why, Lord, when I'm a bruised reed? Why, Lord, when I struggle with depression? Why, Lord, when I'm still fighting that sin of lust? Why, Lord, when I put other things before you? Why, Lord, when even the good works that I do, I do in pride? Why, Lord? And he responds, because I chose you before the foundation of all the world, in all of your sin, in all of your weakness, to be my beloved, my beautiful one, my love and my joy. And even in all of this sin, in all of your weakness, in all of your sufferings, he says, as he says in Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter 3, I rejoice over you with loud singing. I quiet you by my love. Are you quieted this morning, beloved? My prayer is that you would be. Our salvation doesn't just end there. 
If it did, how marvelous, how wonderful, oh, my song would ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. No, it goes even further, Christian. God did not just make us alive and save us to then live like others, to be like our culture. No, our second point, we are God's glorious workmanship. He in Christ Jesus has created us for what? For good works. He has taken that dead man, that dead woman, and made us alive. He's turned us into that most beautiful cathedral, the most beautiful Grand Tetons, that those around us pause and ask us for a reason for the hope that lies within us. You are God's workmanship, crafted for purpose crafted for good works. God's beautiful cathedral, God's glorious creation, as the psalmist says in Psalm 8, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And that is true of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is also true of us, our position. We are those uniquely made in the image of God. We are God's workmanship, crafted for purpose. Maybe you, in your character, you display God's truth. Maybe it is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Maybe it is your analytical engineering mind that represents the Lord. Maybe it is God's laughter and your humor. Maybe it is God's love and your love for the poor and needy. Each of you are God's workmanship. A diamond a cathedral. And yes, maybe that cathedral has been chipped away by others. Maybe that cathedral has gone through the hurricanes of life and has been broken. Maybe you have a spiral on top that's hanging by a thread. Maybe it looks gray on the outside. And maybe the inside is in disarray. Seats are turned upside down and not inviting, but that is not where it ends. This is not your destiny. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It is not you left to yourself to repair the broken stained glass windows of your life, to reattach that fallen spiral, to fix the door and the seats, but you are united to the Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in John, you are the branches and He is the vine. And the life-giving sap of the Holy Spirit is producing life and fruit in each and every one of your lives. Can you believe this? Do you believe this? God is calling us to look out 
of ourselves. To see that Satan and demons and spiritual forces are waging war against us, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. Once we are saved, regenerated, and made alive, all they want us to do is forget our glorious position. Forget who we are. To stay depressed, to stay weak, to stay broken. They say, don't trust in Christ and God's promises. That's for others. You're too sinful. You're too weak. You have issues. Others around you might be a beautiful cathedral, but not you. They're crafted for purpose, but not you. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been raped. Maybe you were unwanted by your parents. Maybe you're single. You're alone. Maybe you feel unlovable. No. No, that is lies. Today, throw these lies upon the Lord. Throw these burdens on the Lord Jesus Christ back. All of your sin, all of your pain, all of your worries, all of your suffering. These lies that seek to devour the Lord Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Throw upon Christ. Confess it to Christ today. Confess these lies and false beliefs and live. Live as those alive. As it says in Ezekiel 37, God says, prophesy over these dry bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter and you shall be alive. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with beautiful skin and put breath in you and you shall live and be my workmanship. And you shall know that I am the Lord. He has done this for all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, gone from dead to made alive. And when Satan comes at you and others come to accuse you, You pause and respond, no, that is my old self. No, I am alive. No, I am loved. No, I am in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away and the new has come. So third, our glorious good works. The outflow of dead and dry bones made alive The outflow of becoming God's workmanship is glorious, good works. So often we believe and stay at that first use of the law and gospel, but don't go to the third use of the law. We say, I have sinned, I am broken, I am a sinner, but God, at least he saved me. We say, God, by faith alone, has justified me and declared me righteous. Once I was dead, but now have been made alive and saved by faith alone in Christ alone, who has taken my sins upon the cross, who has paid for my sins and given me his righteousness, so that when God looks at me, he sees perfection, the righteousness of Christ, and that is how I get to heaven. 
These are glorious truths. This is what we hold fast to. But then so many times we think in the here and now, I'm still a sinner. I'm still enslaved to my sin, to my lust, to my sin of pride, my sin of anger. I can't help it. I'm a sinner, but at least I trust in God. At least my salvation is that I will make it to heaven. That is my hope. And this life is just suffering. It's just bad, bad until Christ returns. And so many times we stay there as Christians. And that's where Satan wants us to stay. You see, Satan wants to keep us there. Stop here. Don't go into the next promise of this scripture that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in. You see, the gospel not only saves, but the gospel makes alive, and the gospel changes our hearts and our minds to follow after Christ and live for him more and more day after day. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But beloved, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And when God saves, He does not just leave us in these sins to rot. He does not just leave us in our brokenness, but His grace is truly sufficient to wash us, cleanse us, sanctify us, and make holy. And this is our promise. The gospel comes to those dead sinners, broken, unlovable, and says, no, Christ has paid it all. And he gives you his life, and this life is now. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And these good works are not our salvation, but the outflow of our trust and our life in Christ. We do these good works out of gratitude now as Christians. And we're not enslaved to those old things any longer. So let's dive a little deeper. I want to get practical. What are these good works which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in? If we are God's workmanship crafted for purpose, and our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, what does that look like in the day-to-day? And Paul lays this out so clearly in these next few chapters in Ephesians. He gives us the answer. First, we are one in Christ. Christ has broken down the dividing wall between rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, white and black, U.S. citizen and citizen of India, and on and on. In Christ Jesus, we are united. United as a beautiful body of Christ. From every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. 
our brothers and sisters around the world are all united in Christ to us. So one good work prepared for us is to love one another. As 1 John says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him is no cause for stumbling. Whoever hates his brother walks in darkness. Look around, brothers and sisters. Look around right now to those next to you. Do you see the unique image of God in those next to you? Do you seek to love these people, this body of Christ? And give of your time, your energy, your money, your abilities for the good of the body. This is a glorious good work. Second, put off your old self. Paul says in chapter uh, 4, verse 17, No longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. They have given themselves up to sensuality and purity. No, Instead, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Is this you every day? Leaning on Christ, as you put on your clothes in the morning, are you reminded that I have a new self that I am called to put on? I am united to Christ. I am washed of that sin of lust. I will fight against pornography. I will lock myself out of Safari on my iPhone. I will lock up my computer. I will get an accountability partner to hold me accountable to not look at porn. I will ask someone to keep me accountable to my greed. I will ask my wife to hold me accountable to my gluttony. I will put off anger towards my family, towards my workplace, towards others. I will rely on the Holy Spirit who will give me the strength. When you're an unbeliever, you see God's law as constricting, preventing fun and enjoyable things. But when you become a Christian, you see through the lies and short-lived fun, and you see that no longer is the law a chain that you drag behind, on your leg behind you. No, but it is a necklace given by the King of Kings for you and His kingdom. A necklace that displays the beauty and freedom of God's kingdom. Freed from slavery to addiction. And over time, you can then say with the psalmist, your law is better than life, so my lips will praise you. I am alive. I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, give me the will to lay all of my sins and burdens at your feet, confessing them to you daily, gaining freedom, and living in the joy of the newness of life. This is another Good work prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Ephesians 5.19, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks to the Lord in everything. One good work is to come to church every single Lord's Day. If your job makes you work on Sundays, do not rest until you're able to find another one that you can have Sundays off. 
This is our day to worship, our day to be encouraged, our day to be built up, our day to receive from God His Word. To love others and to express that gratitude for all that He has done. Verse 22, it says, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. Do you submit? Do you, wives, seek to honor and respect your husband? Not always because he deserves it, but because Christ submitted himself under his Father's will all the way to the cross to die for you. I know submission is not popular in our day today, but let me say submission is not as our modern culture feminists seek to destroy and see as negative, but it's an ultimate good for God's glory. Our call for you to encourage your husband, encourage him to take the lead, to pray for your husband, to lead you in a godly manner, Instead of mocking him in his weakness, love and respect him and seek to do what you can to promote his calling for the good of your family. And families will become stronger and God will be glorified. And ultimately, who will it be that you submit to? But a man, as it says in verse 22, a husband who loves his wife as Christ loved the church. So verse 25, husbands, this is for you, every single husband. Your good work is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Do you love your wife? Do you know her love language? What makes her happy? Is it quality time? Is it acts of service? Is it physical touch? Is it giving gifts? We're called to love as Christ loved the church. You turn off that TV at night. You stop always talking about and watching sports. You throw those video games out and you become a man. You get off your butt and you love her. And you lavish her with love and kindness. You lead her spiritually. You say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You put away any childish anger at not getting what you want. It has no place and you become a king. A king that rules your kingdom with your queen. You make the hard decisions that will be best for your wife and children. You be there for her when she is pregnant. And hormones are all over the place month after month. You pick up your cross and you look to Christ. And say, help me, Lord Jesus. I am weak. I am tired when I come home. I need your grace to work heartily as unto you and provide for my wife and family financially, physically, mentally, and spiritually. This is your calling, men. This is your purpose. To find your mission your purpose, and to strive and work for the glory of God and to provide and protect your family. You must be willing to sacrifice your time to provide. Sacrifice the sweets to get in shape to protect your family. Be willing to do anything and everything. Husbands, this is your most beautiful work. To give all of your life, all of your energy, to provide, protect, and bring forth fruit 
and wealth for your children's children. And God will answer these prayers in your weakness. God will part the Red Sea and He will provide for your family. You just have to trust and lean on His promises. Children, children, your good work right now is to obey your parents. Children, do you honor and respect your mother and father? Not because they always deserve it, but for the Lord. And Paul says this is the first commandment with a promise. Children, youth, this is the first commandment with a promise that you may live long in the land so that you may be blessed. When you honor and love your parents, you are blessed. Children who obey and listen and seek to honor your father and mothers, you are blessed, blessed mightily. I'm almost done. I know this is a lot. Fathers, it says in chapter 6, verse 4, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring your children up in the discipline of the Lord. Fathers, do you lead your family in family worship, no matter how tired you are? Do you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Fathers, the onus is on you. The Lord Jesus asks you to be fruitful and multiply, to bring forth more children, but also with raising those children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Raise your children in the way they shall go, and they will not depart from the truth, is one of the promises in Scripture. This means teaching them how to sing in the worship service. Teaching them as you sing loudly, they will sing loudly. Teaching them what it means to obey the Lord. Teaching them that suffering always turns out for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. Disciplining them when they disrespect you, when they disrespect their mom. Teaching them to love the Lord their God over all things. This is a glorious good work. And lastly, we see Paul brings up prayer. After the full armor of God, which is a whole sermon in itself, he brings up praying at all times with all prayer and supplication. Paul knows that without prayer, all of these things will not be possible. I know our weakness. I know my weakness. We are too weak and we need the Holy Spirit to come and empower us to love our wives, to respect our husbands, to put off the old self, to put on the new self, to obey our parents, to put the Lord first at home, at work, and everywhere we go. As Martin Luther said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Christian, have you tried to be alive without breathing? I'm sure it is not going very well. <laughs> if we look throughout history, there is only one thing in common between the great men and women used of God. They had different personalities, the different backgrounds, but one thing they had in common is they were men and women of prayer. Is that you? That is your call today, to be men and women of prayer. You see, the self-sufficient does not pray. The self-satisfied will not pray. 
the self-righteous cannot pray. No man and woman is greater than their prayer life. My call for all of you today is to set apart time in the morning to pray. If you don't know how to pray, look up the book, Praying the Bible. It's a great one. We went through it as a men's group and it blessed us tremendously. Or use the, the, the acronym ACTS. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Start with praising the Lord for His goodness for all that He's done. Confessing your struggles and your sins and your weaknesses. T, thanksgiving, giving thanks for all the Lord that He has done. And supplication, praying for yourself, praying for others. You see, these are just examples and application of good works. But let's zoom out today. Today, what do we see in our culture? We see division. Division in politics, division by countries, division by race. What is God's beautiful workmanship? The response is unity. Unity in Christ. We are one and known by our love for one another. In our culture, we see homosexuality. We see sex before marriage. We see kids trying to change who God made them to be. Parents that are abandoning their kids. Fatherless homes. We see parents and doctors mutilating children with sex changes. We see abortion and killing of babies. We see a culture of death. And what is God's response? We see a culture of life. Mothers and fathers who do not abandon their kids, but raise them up in the Lord. They spend time with them. We see a fruitful and multiplying people who love God who love their children and see that their children are their legacy. We see men, instead of looking at porn, we see them loving their lives to the very end, loving their wives to the very end. We see them casting off their own desires for the good of their family, the good of their wives, to protect and provide, to cast off anger and let it not be in the house. And we see children who are raised up loving God, having vocations that benefit their neighbors and community and world around them. We see women who want to be with their children at home, who want to submit and love their husbands as they love the Lord. And we see a home that is thriving and full of love and life, a true refuge in the midst of the storms around us, a true hospitality for others in the church. We see joy and laughter in the home. We see song, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Beloved, this is the work that God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Day after day, we look to Christ. We believe his promises. We believe in his life, his death, his resurrection. We believe that King Jesus is ruling and reigning and bringing all nations under his feet. His kingdom is going forth in this world in power and glory, bringing life in the midst of death, freedom in the midst of slavery, joy in the midst of depression, healing in the midst of trauma, and glorious good works for Christians here at Jordan Valley Church 
who stretch out this love and life and joy from our church and homes to our workplaces, our communities, and the whole world. So back to that cathedral we imagined at the start. Imagine this, inside this cathedral are filled with people that are unified. Young and old, poor and rich, it does not matter from every tribe, tongue, people and nation. Imagine the people with the finest clothes given by the king of kings to wear. Reminding them they are part of his kingdom. And they are of one, one voice, heart and service. There is a joy radiating through these walls as they sing the songs of the kingdom of love and victory in Christ over sin and death. Next you see wives and husbands loving and respecting, working towards peace and joy in the life of the community, giving of their gifts for the good of their children and the good of others outside of the church. You see children who want to obey their parents, learning to follow Christ, obeying and receiving the joy of the Lord daily, being raised to go out and build wealth, not for their own glory or for their own possessions, but the good of their children's children. You see fathers representing fatherly love for their children, disciplining them in the way of Christ. And lastly, you see this disposition of prayer, of praying for one another, mourning with those who mourn, rejoicing with those who rejoice. You see a reliance of God and a peace that surpasses all understanding. No longer is there a fear of man, but a fear of God. And each of them, as they leave this cathedral and go into the world, are salt and light, renewed and alive to bring others dead and blind into the freedom and joy of the gospel. Is this us? at JVC. By God's grace and strength, may it be all for the praise of his glorious grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bring your word to be lasting, life-changing for each of us, for your glory and the good of your people, the good of those around us, the good of our children's children, let us be a church of encouragement, a church of love, a church that brings your truth in the midst of a culture of lies and changes us and changes those around us. Empower us, strengthen us. Let us have your Holy Spirit. And it is not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Help us this week to glorify you and enjoy you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.